0: Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, February 3rd. Coming up on the show today, Adam Vingen of The Athletic will give you a really juicy morsel about the Nashville Predators. We will talk with Josh Ward of WNML about the Tennessee Volunteers recruiting class. We'll take a look at how most teams in the SEC did historically on the recruiting trail this season as National Signing Day wrapped up on Wednesday. But we begin with the Aaron Rodgers rumors that are swirling around the Tennessee Titans. The 440 is built for you every single Monday through Friday for free by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Go look at their work. If you're about to make a really big financial decision about your house, you should do so with all of the best possible information. And this is what the Kingston Group delivers for you. Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. Check out the website and remember the name, the Kingston Group. So let's address the Aaron Rodgers rumors about the Tennessee Titans moving to Nashville and all this other stuff with the Green Bay Packers. On the surface, all three potential rumors make total sense. Number one, everyone is moving to Nashville, building homes in Nashville. All kinds of famous people. you got political hacks now moving to Nashville. You've got musicians and athletes. Bill Belichick has a house here famously. There's no income tax. Property values are skyrocketing. It's a beautiful place, a wonderful city to live. Why would any of us be surprised if Aaron Rodgers wanted to live here? That's number one. Number two, why would a quarterback who's any good not want to play with the Tennessee Titans? They are a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl front runner. They have Derrick Henry. They have Mike Vrabel. They have a good offensive line. They've got A.J. Brown. They have a great defense. Any quarterback would be out of his mind to not want to play for the Tennessee Titans. So both of those rumors make sense. And I do believe that the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers have seen the last of each other. I do not believe that he is coming back to Green Bay. All three of those things can be totally true. Aaron Rodgers wants to move here. Aaron Rodgers would be interested in playing for the Titans, and Aaron Rodgers ain't coming back to Green Bay. All three of those things could very much be true, and there's still not be any possible way that he plays for the Tennessee Titans. His cap hit is enormous next season, and he'd have to basically play for free. And, oh, by the way, you'd have to figure out a way to move almost $60 million in dead cap money from Ryan Tannehill's contract. There's just no logical way for it to work. Otherwise, on the surface... All of those things make total sense. Why wouldn't someone want to move to Nashville? Why wouldn't a quarterback want to play for the Tennessee Titans? And why on earth would Aaron Rodgers go back to Green Bay if he can't get out of the divisional round? All of that stuff makes sense on the surface and at face value. But how much of it is actually possible? That's a totally different story. Wednesday was National Signing Day 2, the artist formerly known as just National Signing Day. And while the hype has been removed from the first Wednesday in February, with the advent of the early signing period in December, the day still marks the end of a very long and arduous recruiting process for the 2022 cycle. What are the things SEC football fans need to know? First, Texas A&M signed the number one overall class in modern recruiting history – It is Jimbo Fisher's fourth consecutive class ranked inside of the top seven nationally. The Aggies roster in 2022 will be basically on par with that of Alabama and Georgia, and maybe this means that the big two in the conference will become a big three. Jimbo Fisher is only the second coach to beat Alabama and Nick Saban on the recruiting trail since he took over in Tuscaloosa. The other, of course, was Georgia, and they just used both of their former number one classes to win the national championship. Missouri and Kentucky posted historically elite classes as well. Kentucky's average recruiting ranking over the last 10 years is 33rd in the nation. Mark Stoops' class in 2022 ranks 12th in the country. Stability, consistency, and shrewd targeting have paid off for Big Blue Nation. Missouri's average class since joining the SEC ranks 38th nationally. They finished with the 13th-ranked class in the country. Eli Drinkowitz has used two historically loaded years of in-state talent to lure two very highly touted groups for the Tigers. Kentucky and Missouri have two of the best classes in school history for both programs, and all it does is deepen the competition in the SEC East for schools like Tennessee and Florida. Speaking of the Vols, we will hear from Josh Ward of WNML for more on this Volunteers class in just a few minutes, but relative to past success and the current division, Josh Heupel is doing a solid but unspectacular job recruiting. His first full class in Knoxville finishes ranked 15th in the country with seven four-star recruits, a very solid haul on the heels of a class ranked 16th in the country last year, a group that was largely recruited by Jeremy Pruitt and almost all but disappeared from campus. Tennessee's average class over the last five cycles is 15.4 in the country, so Heupel right now is right on the mark. But there are two things to consider. 15th in the nation is worse than either of Pruitt's last two classes and is fourth in the SEC behind Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri in just this cycle. It's one thing to be out-recruited by Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs, and I do think fans need to be prepared for Billy Napier and Florida to be a recruiting powerhouse very soon. But finishing behind Mizzou and Kentucky in the East is unacceptable, and it will keep the balls from competing for division titles. Speaking of Florida, the Gators jumped into the top 20 nationally on Wednesday with a flurry of activity. Napier took over and his meticulous recruiting plan has yielded instant results. This Gators class went from the 70s when he took over two months ago to inside of the top 20, jumping Mississippi State, South Carolina, Arkansas, and Ole Miss in the process. Last but definitely not least, well, yes, technically they are last, but damn Vanderbilt and Clark Lee did one heck of a job in recruiting in his first full year on the trail. Yes, the Commodores finished last in the SEC rankings, but at 31st nationally, they are better than half of all Power 5 teams and is one of the best classes in modern Vanderbilt history. Now all these coaches have to do is take these young, multiple high school prospects and turn them into actual SEC football players. Godspeed. <laughs> Well, it's Thursday. So we welcome Josh Ward from WNML to the show at Josh underscore Ward, Tennessee football recruiting, basically a top 15 class, not a whole lot of drama on national signing day. Your, your just thoughts in general on Josh Hypel, his ability to recruit. And if he continues to sign classes in this territory, what should expectations be for this program?
1: I think Tennessee did an okay job in year one. I think Tennessee did a really good job closing out the early signing period when they landed some important pass rushers up front, like James Pierce, who could have waited. And if he had waited, Tennessee might have lost him. Joshua Josephs landing Tyree West and then getting him on campus was really good. And they recruited some nice prospects on offense, the skill position. I just trust this coaching staff, though, really, no matter who they sign at receiver and running back to work things out. They need guys up front on the offensive line to play at a high level. They need more difference makers on defense at every level. I don't think Tennessee did enough at linebacker and in the secondary, so that becomes a key. And then what happens next? Tennessee just has to recruit at a higher level. If Tennessee is recruiting on a similar level to Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, those kind of of middle-of-the-pack teams that Tennessee faces and is comparable to right now, well, then it's difficult to believe Tennessee is going to make a big jump moving forward in the sec certainly trying to catch georgia in the east or alabama with the level that it's been it's just it's an unrealistic ask and florida's probably going to recruit better under billy napier you have to plan on that so this next year needs to be better for tennessee you need more difference makers you need more dudes that are going to come in especially on the defensive side i think because you're going to be challenged there Tennessee's offense is going to be fine but if the defense leaves you in a position where you're playing games like you did against pitt last year Purdue last year, Kentucky last year, you're going to win some of them,
0: but you're going to lose some of them. I know there's a lot of talk nationally about the degradation of the program in general over the last 15 years. Um, I still am a person that believes that if the right person is there, and that may be Josh Heupel, it may not, I don't know. If the right person's there, they can still recruit top 10 classes and compete for SEC titles. Do do you think that Tennessee still has that upside and ability? I think Tennessee has that upside, yeah. Uh,
1: And if it has the right people in place to bring those players in, uh, it, it needs to start at home. I didn't bring that up, but recruiting better inside the state of Tennessee has to be a priority. Not landing everybody. You're never going to land everybody, just like you try to pull players out of Georgia, the Carolinas, Florida. Schools are going to come in and pull players out of Tennessee, but you can't lose almost all of them, as happened this past year. So recruiting well at home is a good start finding guys that are maybe a little bit under the radar and developing them, but beating out Clemson and Florida and Miami. Now LSU, I mean, you're just going to have to win some of those battles to have a realistic chance. So can it happen? I think, absolutely. I would not expect it right away. Uh, I would not say here in the next couple of years, you need to expect Tennessee to go win a championship because I just, I don't see the makeup of the roster being that way with what they have to replace from the last two or three years, the transfer portal helps but it's not going to be the solution. So uh, you're trying to play catch-up from where recruiting has been the last few years. If you get good enough results on the field, you can improve recruiting. There will be staff changes in the next couple of years. When that happens, you need to get really good recruiters. And if you have results on the field and you have the right recruiters in place, then yeah, I think you can improve what's happening off the field to build for the future. Fans never want to hear that you might need to be patient for that, but you might need to be patient for that.
0: Yeah, it takes... Just ask Texas A&M fans. It takes four or five classes in a row to start putting yourself in that same conversation with Georgia and Alabama. Um, Tennessee's got a long way to go for that. Josh Ward, WNML, at Josh underscore Ward. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you for joining us. You got it. Thank you. The Nashville Predators enter the All-Star break with 60 points in second place and are 28-14-4 and four so far on the season. They are 22-0-1 with a lead entering the third period. And I talked to Adam Vingan of The Athletic on this week's episode of the Gold Standard, and he dropped an interesting nugget about how fast this Preds team has gotten to 60 points.
2: The fact that they remain undefeated in regulation um, when leading after two is something to, to certainly uh, be proud of. Um, you know, one thing, that, one thing that did come out of last night's game that I did find to be very interesting, which is unrelated to what we're talking about, but I'll look up those numbers in a second. So as you said, the Predators are 28, 14, and four. That's the six, They reached 60 points in 46 games. And, they, and according to the NHL, they've hit 60 standing points in fewer contests just four times in franchise history. So what I think is interesting is that in 2017-18, that was the year they won the President's Trophy. They reached 60 points in 44 games. And this year they reached 60 points in 46 games. So it only took them two more games 360 points than it did when they won the president's trophy which I, I think is really impressive when you put it in that when you put it in that context um especially considering um what we anticipated this team to be
0: if you'd like to hear more on the national predators of course be sure to check out the gold standard podcast with adam vingen and myself out every single thursday right here on the 440 sports network The 440 is brought to you by our wonderful friends, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they are the only name you need to know if you're making a big decision about your house or your future house. Just check out their work. BuildKG.com is the website. Just talk to them. I guarantee you, you will be better off. That's the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the show. Just tell somebody about it. It's really important to us and it means a lot to us. So really, really appreciate it. Please tell somebody about it. Enjoy your Thursday. This has been the 440 for Thursday, February 3rd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media. Written and produced by Braden Gall. Music by William Tyler.